0: On this week's episode of The ShakeOut, we chat with a runner whose talent for running was discovered after achieving success in what seems to be a completely unrelated career. What that career was might surprise you. So today we are speaking with Marilyn Arsenault, a world-class masters runner based out of Victoria, BC. She has impressive achievements in track, road, and cross-country races as well as having a career in a completely different field, which we'll get into a bit later. Marilyn, you came into running relatively later in your life and you've achieved a lot of success as a master's runner. Can you tell us a bit more about when you discovered that you had your talent for running and what steps you took to start training more seriously?
1: I sort of ran on and off through, from high school, through my 20s, but I kept getting injured. So I I could never really train consistently or run consistently. I mean, I didn't know anything about training at the time anyway, but just running, getting out the door some days was really tough because I kept getting shin splints and hip issues. So I just ran when my body would allow me to run. But then when I was about I think I was about 33 years of age. I met a running coach in Montreal. I was I just done a, an undergraduate degree at McGill, and and I met a run coach who happened to also be an Alexander method teacher. He encouraged me to use some of his ideas with the Alexander into my running because he could see I was not <laughs> running with much awareness. He kind of took me under his wing and he spent a year or two working with me just developing my running skills and my running awareness and trying to get rid of some bad habits that I had ingrained in terms of mechanics and movement and lack of (laughs) – basically lack of awareness (laughs) – and so that took a year or two. And then I moved out here in 2003 with my husband. And he, Malcolm Balk is the running coach I'm talking about in Montreal. He encouraged me to join a run club when we, we moved here. He said, you know, you're running fairly well now. And I think, you know, you could probably do some training. So yeah, so I, I joined a, a local run club in Victoria and started running races because that's what the members in the club did. So <laughs> I started training with them and running races and. Because my form had improved with working with Malcolm, I was able to run more and more and more consistently. And by the time I hit my early 40s, you know, I had taken my running probably to a more serious level than I ever thought I would. Yeah, so that's kind of how it happened. I kind of got lucky with meeting someone who took the time and understood what I needed at that time, which was basically some basic formwork that I was really lacking
0: so you mentioned the Alexander Method, and for our listeners who may not be familiar with that, can you just describe basically what it is?
1: There's a few methods like this out there, but the one I was introduced to is the Alexander Method. And it's basic a way of teaching people how to move and use their bodies either in a skill set situation like playing golf or running <laughs> Or in my case, being a musician, I was a singer, and it's trying to get people to use their body in an efficient and economical way, basically, so that they're putting in just the right amount of tension to get the job done, but not overusing tension. So in other words, a lot of people will, you know, we've all experienced this where we're trying really hard to do something and we end up overdoing or using our bodies improperly with our joints and levers not lined up really well, and we're not aware that we're putting strain, excessive strain on muscles and tendons and joints. So that's basically it. And they use verbal cues and hands on, so they get their hands on their students to get them to show them how, through direction with their hands, what they should be feeling and what they should be thinking in order to release excessive tension. It's very, very effective.
0: Right. And so, in addition to your own running, you're also the founder of Mindful Strides, which has been described as not a traditional running clinic. And so do you use some of these principles and training methods that you've just described in your own clinic? And what kind of success have you seen in these less traditional approaches?
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. So the classes that I teach, I've taken what I learned with Malcolm and through the Alexander Method and my own experience of learning to run and I've created, these levels of classes of teaching people how to move and how to run well. There's a lot of mechanics stuff out there, like biomechanics talk about running, and it's all wonderful to read about biomechanics and look at it on videos and and understand it, but to actually teach someone what it feels like and the awareness component of what it feels like to, say, land your foot under your hips or run lightly or... You know, keeping your your trunk firm on the landing and not collapsing. all those things we know are good for biomechanics of running, but to teach someone how to do that, especially if they've had years like I did of poor mechanics, the development and the process has to be gradual to prevent injuries along the way. And it's just the way we learn. I mean, it's just the way. Some people learn a little quicker, some people a little slower, depending on their kinesthetic awareness or their background or their history with poor habits. I'm really watching people as individuals because everybody's different. Yes, I use the Alexander Method. I use some biomechanics principles. I also use, I work on stability, single leg stability. That to me is really key, like being able to stand on a foot, one foot, without collapsing and then switching feet on the spot and trying to get people to feel what it takes. There's so many things that that go into that moment of switching feet and landing with all your body weight going into one foot and stabilizing in that one moment. I think if you get that ingrained in it, it makes it a lot easier to do it over and over and over as you're moving forward. Harder to do than it sounds. (laughs)
0: You've had a number of achievements across the board in track, road, and cross country, including holding the Canadian age group records in the half marathon and marathon, just to name a couple. Is there one running performance in particular that stands out to you and as a masters runner specifically, what has been the biggest challenge for you?
1: I've had a couple of moments where I felt really proud of how I ran in a particular race and it wasn't even necessarily my best time, but where I really dug deep. And I think definitely my second marathon, especially, well, the first one too. I mean, (laughs) marathons, you just dig deep no matter what. But I was pretty happy with the performance of uh, when I ran uh, my first marathon. I ran a 242. It wasn't what I was hoping for and what I felt I was uh, fit for. But I think I ran as well as I could that day. And it was my first time running a marathon. And I think I managed myself as well as I could with no experience. And then the second marathon, too, of course, I I got down two more minutes off. And I felt happy about that, too, that I was able to run that well on that day. But I think making the world cross-country team was one of the biggest thrills for me. I got on the team. I came in sixth at Guelph at the Nationals, which just squeezed me onto the team. And I was 41 at the time. And I was pretty proud of that at that age. And after just five years of running, I was able to make that national team now, that was a pretty big moment for me. I was pretty thrilled with that. And just the experience of traveling to Amman was pretty exciting. So, I mean, that was a great moment. And in terms of being a master's runner now, I've had friends of mine who run right now who are in their late 40s or early 50s. It is harder as you get older to uh, get enough rest, I'd say, to sustain the training needed to keep <laughs> keep running really well. And I think that's the hardest part, especially as we hit menopause, which I'm I'm definitely in that stage. You know, at that age, you get less sleep and you just feel more fatigue. So I'd say the challenge for me is is trying to run and keep the training going. Luckily, I'm not getting injured. I still haven't had any major injuries, so I've been very lucky. But I'd say menopause is like having (laughs) an injury sometimes. You feel very tired so trying to find that balance of needing more rest, that's probably the biggest challenge is trying to get the rest required to train the same as I did even just five years ago. I have to really, really focus on plugging in a nap if I can in the day, if I, if I can do it, and trying to get
0: good sleep in the evenings. I alluded to it a bit in the introduction that you have this completely different career. And as you mentioned, you're a singer. And can you just tell us a bit more what kind of singing you do and to what level you did it?
1: So, I was a singer. I mean, once a singer, always a singer, right? But <laughs> I did study singing. It was everything to me for 25 years. I dedicated everything to singing. I started taking lessons when I was 13 or 14. And then I went on to do an undergraduate performance degree in voice at McGill University. And then I Continued on with a master's degree at University of Montreal. I wasn't a pop singer or jazz singer. I was classically trained. So I sang art songs, so German lead and French art song and opera. So, yeah, that's what I did for many, many years. singing, performing singing in my early forties. I got sick in twenty ten. I got a staph infection and I was very, very ill for a few months there. And so I could not sing because I just didn't have the energy and I couldn't run either (laughs) because I got a staph infection in my pelvis. So for a period there I had to rehabilitate myself back to into running and Singing just took a back seat, and I ended up spending a year just trying to get myself back to running. And singing sort of just faded off into the background since then. So it's been about eight years since I've performed, but it's something that I know I can go back to, and I I probably will at some point. Running just took off in terms of the teaching with my business, and I knew I only had a few years to really devote to running because I was getting older. (laughs) And so I really wanted to give it my all. I did have a career in opera singing.
0: And so even though you aren't singing now, what are some other parallels that you find between, you know, training for singing and performing as a singer, and then performing also as a runner?
1: Well, I think the thing that jumps out at me the most is the dedication that it requires to do something at your best and the sacrifices you have to make if you really want to perform at your best as a runner or as a singer. Lots of parallels there in terms of just pure pursuing a dream, I guess, is very similar. I mean, you could parallel that with any artistic form or athletic endeavor. So there's that, plus the awareness you need. The body awareness is very similar. The breathing, (laughs) I didn't really realize how much of an advantage I had with the breathing until I started teaching and started teaching high-level athletes, too. I worked with a few Olympic-level athletes where I put my hands around their lower ribs and their back and... A lot of them just didn't know how to breathe. And these were, you know, endurance athletes. And then I realized, wow, I guess there's a lot that could be done in this department with some athletes. I just assumed in sports, especially in endurance sport, that the breath would be spoken about in terms of how to breathe efficiently and getting the maximum breath and how to do that. And exercises, just like what we do as singers. We do breathing exercises, woodwind players and brass players and singers, we spend years learning how to breathe really well with the least amount of tension and how to get the biggest breath we can. We have to sing long or play long phrases and you have to be very efficient at taking a quick, fast breath in that's not overly packed or too tight or or not enough air. I mean, there's a lot that goes into taking a quick breath And I think for endurance athletes, you have to do the same thing. We have to breathe, you know, very deeply deeply and trying to get the maximum oxygen on our breathing as much as we can. I mean, it's a bit different in that once you get anaerobic, of course, the breath does have to become shallower. But I think a lot of endurance athletes could benefit from learning to breathe and making sure that they're getting to that anaerobic stage, perhaps a little later in the game, if they're breathing really well at the start of races or workouts. The singing breath or the woodwind or brass playing breath could really help. I think endurance athlete, I think it's helped me a lot.
0: And so some of our listeners may be in the same position as you are, and they're starting to run a little later in life. So they might just be starting out completely fresh and they're just a beginner runner or like you have been running off and on for a few years and now are considering either racing or training at a higher level, what advice would you give someone in that position? Just the everyday runner, they're no longer in their 20s or 30s, but they want to either start or ramp things up. So both you know, physically and mentally, what kind of advice could you provide them?
1: I would say if you are someone who's prone to injury, first of all, get some biomechanic help or get some form help. I think that's really valuable and hire a coach. I get a lot of people who ask for coaching and they're very meek saying, well, I'm not a very good runner. I'm just starting and I don't feel like I should get coaching, but I need some help. I think people are afraid at a beginner level to hire a coach, but that's the best time to hire a coach. I mean, that's, that's what all musicians do. You know, when you want to start something, embark on something, get a coach who can help you and understands how to train someone healthily, like keeping them healthy and just getting training advice and proper schedule that's allowing you to stay healthy it's basically trying to stay consistent and i think having a coach will help do that not only in terms of training, but also just in terms of keeping you on track. And, you know, you've got a schedule to schedule the fall that your coach has given you and it helps provide some structure that allows you to stay consistent. And then, of course, training with a group helps with that, too. So I would really hire somebody to coach you no matter what level you're at. That was one of the first things I did. I mean, I ran with a club for a year or two, but As soon as I wanted to get serious, I sought out professional help (laughs) to see if someone could help me get better. And I think that was one of the best decisions I made.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. And to close things off, let's look ahead in your own running career right now. On your Instagram, you recently posted a photo from an 8K road race in Victoria. And so in terms of your current training, what's your focus now? And do you have any other races planned for the rest of the year?
1: I've got this goal in my head that my coach, Trent Stellingworth, and I are kind of looking at. There's a an age group world record for the mile that could be up for grabs if, <laughs> if training goes really well. So I'm looking at doing that world record mile. It's five minutes, I think 0.59 or something like that. It's a difficult record, but I think it could be possible if the training goes well so that's my sort of long-term goal for this year and if that is achievable and if I give it a go and it, it goes well then possibly I would go back to running a marathon in the fall possibly New York City again which I ran two years ago and had a wonderful experience so those are kind of the two main goals.
0: That sounds great and thank you so much Marilyn for your time today.
1: Thanks Joan thanks for chatting with
0: me. We would like to thank Marilyn Arsenault for sharing her story with us this week. And thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Shakeout Podcast. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Simplecast, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed listening to this and our other episodes, please leave a review for us on iTunes. We are bringing you this podcast weekly. If you like it and are wondering how you can support us, please subscribe to Canadian Running Magazine in print or the digital edition. This certainly helps us bring you more great content. And finally, we would like to thank the Ontario Media Development Corporation for their contributions to this podcast. Thanks for listening.